0: Let's Talk Books. I'm Robin Van Auken, a writer and a teacher. My guest and I want to help you write your own book. We're sharing ideas about inspiration, book publication, and promotion. You can find the episode show notes, a free novel, guides, and tutorials at RobinVanAuken.com. Enjoy the show. It's episode number eight, and my guest is Nancy Panko, a retired pediatric nurse turned author. Nancy has written for Guidepost magazine and Chicken Soup for the Soul, but she hadn't considered writing a book until she started researching her father-in-law's military record as a surprise for her husband. Part of that research included George Panko's prayer book, carried in the pocket of three generations of men as they navigate war. As she held the military missile in her hands, Nancy thought if this little book could talk. Her novel, Guiding Missile, gives the prayer book a voice. You can learn more about Nancy and her book in the show notes at robinvanauken.com. Let's get started. Hi, it's Robin Van Auken, the wholehearted author, and I'm here today with Nancy Panko. Nancy is the author of a wonderful little book called The Military Missile, and I have completed this book. I stayed up all night, got up early this morning and finished it. I was so excited to complete this book before I talked to you today. Welcome, Nancy.
1: Thank you so much, Robin. It is a pleasure to be with you. Um, my book is Guiding Missile, but it is about a little military missile that comes to life in this book.
0: And when we and, say the word missile, I, I want to be clear for our listeners, this is a M-I-S-S-A-L missile, not an M I S S. Can you explain the difference?
1: The difference is the M I S S I L E shoots up in the sky. Uh, the M-I-S-S-A-L is a prayer book. And in World War II, they were handed out to military men, draftees actually, as they went through the line to get their clothing and their shots. They were offered a chance to pick up any kind of um, missile, prayer book, Bible of their denomination. And this particular one uh, was chosen by my father-in-law as the book is based on actual events. And I have in my possession this 50-some-year-old military missile that's worn and you can barely see the writing, but it was carried by three generations of military men in their pockets during battle. So when I finally got the book back in 1994 and I held it in my hands, I felt such a surge of energy from this little book and I knew it had a story to tell. And um I figured I could be the the voice of this missile. And it was it's been a journey. It's been a a, a very emotional journey for me in um recreating, first of all, my father in law's military record which had been lost in a fire. And his sons had nothing to show for what their dad had done, and they didn't know what their dad had done. They didn't know what a hero he was. So initially, it started out just to be a historical recollection, and it ended up being a book.
0: Quite an amazing book, I really enjoyed it. It touched me my My family is connected with the military. My father was a marine um my husband was in the army, and my son was an army um fifth group special forces actually so wow. I could definitely relate my throughout the book as I'm reading um going from world war to to the Cold War to Vietnam and then to somalia um I was very touched because um like I said my father was a marine and he was one of the early advisors and I it just kind of put it into perspective with um your book when you talk about how Butch is coming home and he's waylaid to Paris and a group of special force soldiers or pre-special forces actually board the plane and they're en route to you know Vietnam and I just wondered is that the kind of uh, you know example that my own father
1: experienced. Absolutely. It it touched has touched so many people. I have had such feedback from uh, former military men, from their families, and they all say the same thing, how um, it made them laugh, it made them cry, it made them think, it made them return to the time that they served, that their family worried and waited for them to come home. It, it, it spans many generations, um, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. It just is uh, family-friendly and tells a very touching story.
0: Now, you had support with this book, didn't you, from a group of writers that you work with, I understand? You're... Uh,
1: my writing group, I belong to two writing groups, And so, you know, you take a piece that you've written and you're, you are looking for um, critique. Maybe you don't feel particularly good about what you wrote and you think there is just another way to tell this story. And I'm not sure there's a rough patch here. You read it out loud and you get their perspective on it and they say, you know, I felt this, but I had this question, and maybe if you explained it thus and such, it would help to clarify it for the reader, and it gave me such wonderful feedback consistently um, and i didn't I didn't necessarily read them the whole book, but I read them parts that I really felt I got stuck on, and i they weren't the part wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. They helped to make it better. That's an
0: excellent idea. I, I actually have an appointment later today with a woman who is thinking about writing her own family story. And I've been considering what am I going to talk to her about? Um, you know, because I, I do two different types of writing. I am a nonfiction history writer. So it's just the facts, you know, looking back through time. And then I write creatively, I have novels that I create that are contemporary. So I, I wasn't really sure what to say. But when I was reading through your book, I thought, this is the kind of story that my friend needs to read. And she needs to think about and would you recommend that she also consider working with a writers group?
1: Absolutely. I recommend it to anyone who's thinking about writing. Writers groups, you have to find the right fit, just like you have to find the right doctor. Um, You need someone who's going to be gently critiquing and not seeking to tear your work apart to make themselves feel better because there are some mean writing groups out there, I must must tell you. Um, Another thing that I did, every time our local universities and colleges around here offered a free course on any kind of writing. I took it. I, I availed myself of, um, webinars online, free webinars. I didn't have to pay anything and, um, I continued to grow. It's, it's almost like as a retired nurse, we did continuing education as a writer you need to keep sharp and hone your skill. And you can do that through writer's groups, through courses, through webinars, through um, sharing with other writers and going to conferences. It's invaluable.
0: Well, that's an excellent point. In fact, that's my mission. I, I stated on my website and everywhere I go that, you know, it's my mission to learn new things and share what works. I'm constantly working to improve myself as a writer. I, I'm so glad to hear you are doing the same. Now, your writing experience is pretty interesting. You've written for several very well-known publications, Guidepost, and also Chicken Soup for the Soul. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started writing for these two publications and what it means to you?
1: I would love to. Um, I had no intention of writing for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, I, had, I was a newly retired nurse, and we had gone on a cruise with friends of ours. And we were sitting in a lounge, and I was telling them about a patient who changed my life. Um, and we went on this journey of healing together. That's what I called it, because I had lost a brother to a traumatic head injury. And the patient I was taking care of in intensive care had traumatic head injury and wasn't expected to live. But live, he did. And I took care of him the entire time he was in the coma and had undergone two brain surgeries, had been given the last rites twice. And this young man came out of his coma to the sound of my voice and his mother was um how can i say this she really thought that the lord sent me to bring her son out of this coma she thought i was an angel sent by god i'm glad i did not know this when i was taking care of him cuz that would have been a heavy heavy burden Blood but pressure. later on yeah later on i had a chance to talk to her years later and um, I was telling my friends this story, and they said, you need to write this because there are people you could help with this story. And so I wrote it. My friend helped edit it. Um, I happened to go on a Chicken Soup for the Soul website, and their guidelines are very specific. They tell you exactly what they're looking for. They give you all their book titles for which they're looking for stories and they tell you that competition is stiff for every story that's sent in, you are up against 5,000 other stories. And if you're chosen, it's a great honor. Well, they chose that story, a journey of healing, and then followed, uh, seven more stories after that in succession over the next four years. And, um, and I also wrote two stories for Guidepost Magazine. I started then um, looking at what publications publish short stories, true, real life stories, first person stories, and uh, it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful. So and now, very satisfying, very satisfying.
0: <laughs> so writing is something that you came to later. You were actually trained to be a nurse, and you attended Lycoming College, which is where I work. Can you tell us a little bit about your profession?
1: I was a pediatric nurse by default. I did not want pediatrics. Nobody wanted pediatrics. So when I got a job working uh, for Jersey Shore Hospital, oddly enough, I opted for I put down my first choice was labor and delivery, and uh, that was completely filled, and they needed somebody in pediatrics and med Um Low man on the totem pole got pediatric <laughs> and med surge. My very first pediatric patient was a 15-month-old baby who had been fed beer in her bottle uh, and what came in intoxicated. Mm. and i uh, my heart went out to this child and i was then caring for her for the next 3 days as well as my med surge patients because jersey shore hospital is very small and i was hooked on pediatrics after that and ended up leaving the hospital going to work for geisinger medical group and worked for a pediatrician who taught me so much and i learned A tremendous amount, and I loved pediatrics and continued with that for my entire career.
0: Now, let's go back a little bit further. Are you from central Pennsylvania?
1: We lived in Lockheedin for 34 years.
0: 34. Where were you born?
1: I was born in uh, central New York State, Norwich, New York. Okay. In the farmhouse, in the dining room of a farmhouse. (laughs) Okay,
0: that's amazing. Congratulations (laughs) to your mother. That's a tough, tough woman. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is. So George, now George, your husband, George Panko, he was born in Scranton? That's correct. He was born in Scranton. And then you, you talk about his journey growing up. In a military household, his father had been in the U.S. Army as an infantryman, first as a baker, then snuck into infantry without his wife knowing about that and became (laughs) a forward scout and had a very admirable and exciting military career that, like many soldiers, he didn't want to talk about. He didn't want to share with people. No, he didn't. And so that's why you were saying that a lot of that information was lost
1: well, not only that, there was a fire at the U.S. Army Records Center in St. Louis, Missouri. And when I started to research his military records, they had all burned. Um, and so I had I had to search out uh, courthouse records. Didn't get have much luck there, and um, trying to think how it. I contacted Congressman Bill Klinger's office to see if he could help me. And he, he told me he le- needed a little bit more to go on. And I provided him everything I had found up until that date. And he helped me absolutely. Uh, it was wonderful because he uh, saw to it that we were awarded dad's uh, medals because we finally ended up with proof that he had won a uh, uh, these medals. And one day, my brother in law uh, got the mail from the old homestead, and in it was a letter from a man who had served in the Army with Dad. And he was the uh, secretary of the company and kept immaculate records of every combat mission they were on, everywhere they went as they traversed through. France and Belgium and Germany and back again, chasing the Germans out of France. And I called him on the phone, told him who I was and what I was doing. And he sent me every bit of his history during their mission in Europe. And it was absolutely amazing. I had every day. Every single day that dad was over there, I knew what was happening. And I had complete historical context, and it it made it uh, a lot easier to be precise with his military service.
0: Well, and what a wonderful thing it was for this soldier, this former soldier, to have, have that information and to provide it for you. You're... Very simply, needing that information validates his having kept it and recorded it all of those years ago.
1: Absolutely. And he also put me in touch with a couple of other men that served with Dad, and they were so willing to talk about it. Now, bear in mind, a lot of these guys didn't talk about it when they first came home, but as they got into their 80s, they were more willing to open up and talk about it. Are you fam- and, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And and that's what they did. They talked to me on the phone and they wrote me long letters, which I have.
0: Are you familiar with the Veterans Project on the Library of Congress website?
1: I have heard about that, but I'm I'm I must c- confess ignorance as to what it's all about.
0: What's happening is, um well, they, of course they're capturing as much as possible oral histories of veterans. And they've even created um, a, a young group, created an app for mobile devices and cell phones so that younger people can actually go out, sit down intergenerational um, visitations and just record conversations and then upload this information very quickly and easily to the veterans project, um, and wow. so it's just that the, the America realizes how important this information is and how easy it is to lose it, you know, and it, it's a great repository. So if you have any kind of documents and information and records that you used in your research, I encourage you to send it to the Veterans Project of the, you know, Library of Congress. Okay. Just for future researchers, you know, because you never know. It's wonderful that these people Told you the story of their experience in the war and also George's experience, but you know, they there may be somebody else within those stories whose family is searching.
1: Oh, absolutely!
0: So, absolutely now you started this project. You said, um, I, I read this in your bio that, um, the idea for this book came about because you wanted to create not only can this, you know, what stories can this book tell us, but you wanted to create a present for your husband on the 50th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge?
1: Yes, I did. And Lockhaven University was having a program put on by the ROTC, and they were showing films of the Battle of the Bulge. And of course, with uh, George's dad being uh, an integral part of the Battle of the Bulge as a forward observer, um, I just wanted him to be a part of that. I wanted him to see. And that is the week I started presenting him with everything I had done over the last year into recreating his father's military history. And the last day of the week, after the program at the university, I presented him with his father's medals. And I find that it even chokes me up as I say it today, but he was so touched and choked up to have them in his hands at last.
0: That is an amazing story. Are you saying it was quiet, secretive, under the wraps? Yes. You were doing all this? What an amazing present that was. What a gift of love.
1: And the first day I gave him one big fat notebook that I had um, all the documents in. And the second day I gave him another big fat notebook of the journey that I was on in recreating his uh, dad's military history and the letters from the men and letters from his uncle Joe, who was the one who took him on the airplane ride in over Paris Right. (laughs) That, that was an unforgettable airplane ride. And, um, and a lot of the, uh, Personal, personalized stuff. um, I gave him that, and then, uh, um, and then we went to the program, and it really carried so much more meaning for him.
0: Now, this leads to the to the problem. You're going to have to create a how-to. Book now, because there are going to be many people who want to create the same kind of legacy or gift for people in their lives. And this was a, almost a year long process on your part.
1: Yes, yes, a year.
0: And and how how are you going to trace the footsteps you take? I mean, that's almost as important as guiding missile.
1: <laughs> well, I th- that's the purpose that the two notebooks I saved. Everything. I saved um, every correspondence. I saved everything Dad's fellow soldiers sent me as far as uh, booklets, letters from General Eisenhower, um, as the all those newsletters that the secretary put out. I, I just saved every scrap of information that I could to uh to document everything the the most amazing thing one of the most amazing things to me is they had pictures when they liberated the concentration camps which some are saying now never happened <laughs> there are insane pictures of when they liberated the camps these soldiers who stumbled upon the camps at first did ha- not know what they were seeing. They did not realize what they were until they started talking to the prisoners who were upright and able to talk. What kind of a camp is this? And the answer they got was Juden, which is Jewish concentration camp, extermination. And then they found the bodies and they found the crematoriums and And my father-in-law had the violent reaction that he did.
0: I'm sure he wasn't the only one.
1: No, he wasn't the only one, because the, the evidence uncovered was horrendous.
0: After you had compiled all of this information and started working on it as a book, you submitted this book to a publisher, or did you talk to a publisher before the book was written? How did you go through that process of getting Guiding Missile published?
1: Well, I um, <clears throat> I queried a a publisher, a Catholic publisher, oddly enough, since this was a, a military Catholic military missile, and he sounded very very interested, and he wanted me to send not an email. Um, manuscript, but he wanted me to send the actual manuscript, which was huge, heavy, and cost me $65 to send it UPS.
0: My goodness.
1: Then I got a rejection from him before I even hit his desk. I'm sorry, we're no longer um, accepting unsolicited manuscripts. And I said, but you asked me to send it. And that was that. So that was my first disappointment. Then I submitted it to two local publishers down here in Durham, North Carolina, actually the same publisher twice, two times in succession. Each time it got better, because I will admit the first submission, it was not as polished as it ended up being. And I understood the rejection, but what was great about that rejection they said, this is why it's being rejected, and this is what we suggest that you do. Huh. Oh, my gosh. It was a blueprint. So I jumped right on it. Okay. Um, and I started making the changes that they suggest that I make. Then I submitted it the following year, and it still. they said, it's still not ready. We suggest that you do this and such, and I made the following changes. And two years later, <laughs> I it again because i wanted this publisher a local publisher and they said um at this time we are so backed up we are two years out Mm. getting published and we're we're just not accepting any more manuscripts but you've come a long way baby and i was so disappointed and i thought okay i got off the computer with them and I thought, okay, what's my plan? What's my next plan? And before I could e- even formulate the plan, the next morning I went to the computer. I was going to dig right in and research more publishers. And I had an email from a an imprint of this publisher. And he said, this was the owner of the whole shebang. And he said, you know, I know you've been rejected by Light Messages. I'm here to offer you an opportunity to publish with an imprint of Light Messages, which is Torch Flame. I like this story. I like your style. I think this story needs to be told. And um, so we started a conversation, and I had met him in person at a library, fundraising event that I had done in Durham and I liked the man and I liked his philosophy and um, so six months later after he proposed that I consider Torch Flame I signed a contract and um, got copyrighted and sent him the manuscript and he worked with me for several months on perfecting it, um, and you read the final product.
0: Now, this is a hybrid publishing company, isn't it? It's
1: right. You have some skin in the game, but it's not. It's not like self-publishing, right? Because you do you do get the help, as in a traditional publishing company, but not to the extent of a traditional. You have to do a lot of the uh, legwork yourself as far as marketing and um, setting up book signings and appearances and speaking engagements and all of that. And I didn't want an agent. Um, my personal preference was n- not to have an agent, so. I needed someone that accepted unagented material. But the money that I put up was a drop in the bucket compared to what you pay, for instance, CreateSpace. It was a fraction of the cost of CreateSpace. Right.
0: Well, now you have taken on some of the marketing. I noticed that you have a Facebook page, a Twitter account. You're on Amazon. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've done to promote your book and How in the world were you able to get over two dozen amazing five-star customer reviews? All you have are five-star customer reviews on Amazon. I was floored.
1: It's a blessing. (laughs) It's absolutely a blessing. I, you know, I knew it was a compelling story, but I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would end up with over two dozen five-star reviews. Um. I, I'm Ford. yes, I'm honored beyond words. As far as um, marketing, again, we go back to I North Carolina State University uh, offered a course on marketing, marketing your book, and I took it, and I took reams of notes and studied their hands out handouts and uh, jumped in with both feet. And I ended up uh, making an acquaintance quite by accident with a TV personality that we have down here. Um, And he became an advocate and a friend. And I said to him, I want to pick your brain, Scott. I want to find out how I can get a guiding missile on one of these community Programs that talk to local authors, blah blah blah. And he said, "Why don't you come on my show?" And I said, "Really? I mean, I, I, it hadn't occurred to me. He's my friend. He has his own show. I wasn't going to go that far because I thought that would be imposing upon our mm-hmm. friendship. All I wanted to do was get one of these little five-minute community." shows. And he said, no, come on, my show. He said, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in your book. I believe in the story. I want you for my show. So that started that ball rolling. And then I started pursuing, I uh, had another friend who's in a big week in marketing, but I didn't know it at the time because he also does graphic arts and he had done graphic arts for a friend of mine who does greeting cards and uh, he became aware of the book and the story, and he asked me to send him some information. and um he uh, I sent him a book. And he loved it. And he started sending me information on how to market. and a lot of the things that i had done I had done already. And then there were other things that I hadn't thought of. And he taught me how to write a radio pitch sheet. And you can go online and search out how to write a radio pitch sheet. And he uh, he edited the first pitch sheet I did and then told me how to make it better. And I did. And I sent pitch sheets to all these radio stations. And one was in uh, Winston-Salem. So I ended up getting an hour-long interview with this radio show in Winston-Salem. Another thing, I watched the newspaper, the Sunday newspaper, and there's a column in there, Book Beat. And that uh, writer solicited new authors. Tell me about your book. So I sent her an email. She was excited about the book and she has written two pieces about guiding missile in the Raleigh news and observer. So I I pursued things. Um, I got lucky. I got people that believed in the story and ended up on TV, on radio, in the newspapers. And I've done speaking engagements. I contacted all kinds of service organizations and offered my services Free. Free. Ended up, some of them paid. Who (laughs) knew? Yes, some of them paid. Um, But when you offer your services free, people are likely to take you up on it, which gives you more exposure. People recognize your name. Um, My hometown newspaper in Pennsylvania did a a big spread on um, guiding missile. Where I went to high school, they have a big newspaper out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. They did a big spread. When I went home to a class reunion, the reporter wanted to talk to me because of publishing a book, Guiding Missile. Uh, it, it has been uh, a wealth of good luck.
0: Well it also sounds like you were awfully brave putting yourself out there. I mean you Well you know, did if you don't reach marketing. for the
1: brass ring, you'll never get it. <laughs> You've gotta go for it. You've got to go for it. And you can't be afraid of someone saying no. Because that's all they that's the worst thing they can say to you is no. <laughs> exactly. And, and more than likely they will say yes.
0: So you used traditional media as opposed to relying on just the internet. You went out, Absolutely. you talked to radio, you talked to television, you talked to newspaper. You didn't leave anything to chance. Right. And how did you accomplish this? Did you create, you said you had a friend who helped you with the radio pitches, but did you also create a press release that you sent out to newspapers to stimulate their interest?
1: My publisher provided me with his press release. My publisher gave me press releases and um, um, different things on their letterhead, and I used them all. I used them all. I Also, I sent this press release to every librarian in the county, every uh, acquisition librarian, because that's another source for authors. Now, that has not come to fruition yet. However, um, my book went with the publisher to, I think it's the American Library Association Conference Uh, in Chicago and there was a great deal of interest and eight college libraries picked up guiding missile to have in their library. And um, then I started my own local pitch for all the libraries in the county and Wake County and then neighboring counties, Durham County and Johnston County. And I got two more libraries to pick up guiding missile to carry in their library. And um, that that's a big deal right there.
0: Having and it in the library. Yes,
1: it is. Having it in the library. And most authors forget the library. Right. But they don't realize that it's a source. Um, and I think, too, when people go to the library and ask, do you carry guiding missile, it also puts a bug in the librarian's ear, when they see something across their desk, oh, yeah, somebody was asking about this the other day. And that helps.
0: Now, you also received an award for this. Tell me about the Silver Award Medal.
1: (laughs) The Silver Award for Historical Fiction came from the Military Writers Society of America. Mm -hmm. My publisher suggested to enter my book in their annual contest, and I did. Um, I was hoping to just place. Um, and they announced it live on YouTube. Uh, my husband was watching a football game in, in the, in the den. And I was watching this YouTube video. <laughs> uh, or, no, it wasn't a video. It was live. Mm-hmm. And he heard me scream and I knew I was a finalist. That was the announcing of the finalist. uh so I knew I had won something, but I didn't know what. And on September 9th at their annual convention in San Antonio, Texas, and I could not go because my daughter had broken her leg and I was taking care of her. Um, they announced that I had won silver medal for historical fiction, and I was just blown out of the water. And it validated all the work. It validated all the research. It validated the story. And I was so beyond honored. It. Uh, another blessing.
0: Well, this is amazing. Now your book, you've been selling it. Did, did I see somewhere that you're, you're striving for bestseller status with this book?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's certainly not on my list. It would be lovely, but I have to be realistic because as the, uh, sole, sole marketer, I'm, I would have to have something really big happen <laughs> to to get the exposure to make it a bestseller. But I'm still working on it. I'm doing this podcast with you, Robin. Yes. And I have a, a Goodreads giveaway going right now that starts January 16th. Um, some lucky person will win an autographed book. But in doing so, it gets more exposure. The book title uh, becomes more um visible and i'm hoping to have um some more exposure as the year goes on i just never know what the lord has in store for me
0: so you leave yourself open for almost any opportunity don't you as a to, to you've accepted this opportunity to market your book you don't look at it as a burden
1: oh absolutely not it's a joy it's absolutely a joy I have met so many wonderful people. And um, I've become affiliated, too, with Military Missions in Action, which is a local charity for veterans and their families here in um, North Carolina. And whenever I do an event that's military-related, part of the portions of all the sales of my book go to this Military Missions in Action. Oh, that's wonderful. And I was so happy that from two events, just two events, I was able to give them a check for hundred fifty dollars. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. So now your and, book is and,
0: for sale um, on Amazon as well as other booksellers.
1: Barnes book and Barnes Noble, Amazon, I think um there's a Kobo. Is it Kobo? Kobo? Yes. On that site there's an, a couple more but I don't remember offhand, but it's in digital format and in print.
0: Okay. So we can find it at bookstores. And if you don't see it at your local bookstore, you can always ask your bookseller to carry it. Right.
1: Absolutely. I know it's online in Barnes and Noble. I also know that, um, one of our Barnes and Noble down here carried it in the store, but others have not, um, think it depends on demand. I think it, uh, you know, it's tough. It's really, really a tough slog to promote your book to stores. And you have to tell them why it would be to their benefit to to carry your book. You really have to be a salesperson and not intimidated by the word no.
0: Well done. Well, let me um, ask you, is there anything you'd like to add, because we're winding down, we're reaching the end of our show here, but I'd like to know if you have anything else you'd like to talk about, maybe advice to other writers that are listening?
1: I would say don't give up. Keep on writing. Write every day if you can. Um, If you don't know what direction you want to go, and I suggest short stories to start off with short stories to places like chicken soup, um, guideposts, magazines, look at their websites and see what their requirements are for submissions because everyone has a story to tell. And the longer you live, the more stories you have to tell. And someone in the public can benefit from your experience. You know, you are brilliant. I'm loving everything you
0: had to say and learning about your hybrid marketing method. And I'm really happy that you talked about how you've been going to all of these locations, talking to these people, beating on their doors. I'm telling you, you have more information to share. You need to consider the fact that you worked so hard to learn how to work in the 21st century marketing and publishing your book. You can share that information. And if you ever decide you want to let me know, and I'll help you in any way promote that, you know, whether it's as workbooks (laughs) or guide sheets or short YouTube videos, you know, because that's, that's what I do. I just try to learn as much as possible as what's working for people, what's not working for people so that all of us can find some kind of success. And, you know, from my little corner of North Central PA, you look like you're doing great. You've done a wonderful
1: job. Well, thank you so much. I, You know, sometimes I get frustrated. Um, but then I have, when I get frustrated, I walk away. I put some space between it and me. And, and then I can come back at it from a new angle because I always sit and think about it and ponder it. What else could I do? And um, And I'm a I'm uh, one of those people that says, the Lord has a plan for this, and wherever he takes me, I'm willing to go, because he's going to give me the strength to do what I need to do, and he has. Now, I designed my own cover. Oh, that's beautiful. I was getting ready to ask you that next. Yeah, I did the photography for the cover, but I needed a graphic artist to do the color bleeds and uh, the printing on the cover. So I, I contacted just uh, Deborah, her name was from tugboat design. Okay. I loved her. I, we had a conversation back and forth. I told her what I was doing. I said I wanted to use my own photography, and I had some pictures I wanted to send her. She said, send them along. I'll tell you which one I like best, or you know, three of them that I like in order of best to worst. And I did not tell her which one I like best. Well, as you can see that the um, the actual cover is a tattered torn flag that actually flew over a subchaser yes. during the uh, Normandy invasion. And tells the story of war, how lives are tattered and torn and never to be the same again after the experience of war and how families are pulled apart. And um, I thought the flag told the story. It does. And the, uh, the missile, the actual missile was laying atop the flag, with my friend's dog tags and a compass, because when my father-in-law went behind enemy lines, he had a compass and a map,
0: right.
1: and his radio and his forty-five strapped to his side, and spent a lot of time behind enemy lines. And um, anyway, tugboat designed it a great a wrap-around color bleed, whole nine yards.
0: It is gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover. Thank you. Very striking. And the fact that it's not stock photography makes it even more special. Right. We're looking at the authentic artifact right there. You know, my background is archaeology. And um, when I see items like this on, you know, I I just want to look at it, touch it, admire it. (laughs) It belongs in a museum. It does. I talked your ear off. I loved it. Thank you so much. And let's stay connected. I'm really, really yes. interested in the fact that you continue to learn and you have so much to share. And well, and I will you. I will send my information to you, share the document with you as well as the show. And please feel free to do anything you want with it. Um when I do these podcasts. And put the, you know, the information up on my website. I put a Creative Commons license on it so that anybody can use it. So if you want to download, you'll be able to download your podcast and you can use all of it or part of it, you know, Wonderful. sound bites. So please, um, use whatever you need. And thank you again so much for being receptive. I, I just sat down the other day and I decided I need to talk to some interesting people. Um, <laughs> and who, who? And just being, seeing that you had gone to Lycoming College, um, was a great connection there. And George working at Woolrich, you know. Oh, I, yeah. It is so amazing because so many times we've been to Woolrich. And is it possible that, you know, we've crossed paths before? When did you move to North Carolina?
1: 2000.
0: Eight, eight. Okay, well, two thousand eight. I've been here yeah. since ninety six, and I was a journalist at the Williamsport Sun Gazette. And when you said the local paper, were you talking about the Lock Haven Express
1: doing the paper Lock store? Haven Express? Yes,
0: yes, yes. So we're connected because the the Williamsport Sun Gazette owned the Lock Haven Express. And yes, I maybe. May yeah, that was people. a
1: recent article they put in last year. I think it was. Oh. Um, because I worked at the university for thirteen years. Um. The higher end of the pediatric spectrum. I worked in health services as a uh, supervisor.
0: Do you know Marjorie Maddox from the university?
1: I don't. I don't know her personally. I know she was there, but I don't know her. Okay,
0: because she's going to be a guest um, in February. She's a poet and creative writing teacher. So yes.
1: So it is a small world.
0: It is a small It world. is. It is a small world.
1: <laughs> I loved working at the university level. It was it was great fun. But oh my gosh, those kids gave me gray hair. Yeah. I have
0: classes <laughs> starting um next week, so Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've enjoyed the winter break, but it's over. Yes.
1: <laughs> it's over.
0: Yes. They've already started pestering me.
1: Oh dear. Yes.
0: Bet that's alright. You'll right. have this. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Robin. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with Nancy Panko and that it inspires you to support the service members in your family and your community. Is there someone in your life who served our country, either in the military or as a first responder? Veterans don't always talk about the past because it's difficult, sometimes a heartbreaking job, but we need to remember their sacrifice and that they need all the love, support, and prayers we can spare. Consider sharing Nancy's book with your friends and family, with your American Legion or VFW post, or with anyone you think could benefit from its message of faith. You can find Nancy's book online at Amazon, and you can find me at RobinVanAuken.com. While you're on my site, download my novel, West Wind. It's free. And speaking of free, I've got half a dozen resources for writers and other creatives, so sign up today. Check out the episode and the show notes at robinvanauken.com slash session8. Thank you so much, and if you haven't done so, please hit that subscribe button on your device. Until next time, goodbye.